Welcome to the Infinite Living Project with me, your host, Dr. Ryan Cleland. From exercise, nutrition, functional and regenerative medicine, supplementation, testing, and so much more, we bring you all things health in a real, raw, no-nonsense approach to getting and staying healthy. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Ryan from the Infinite Living Podcast, and uh, really excited about our guest today is Dr. Tony Heiser. He's a good friend of mine from chiropractic school, actually, and he is extremely knowledgeable in the immune system. So I wanted to reach out with him in the midst of an immune system um, education process for us all to help give us some ideas and just to create have him a part of our immune system series that we're putting out uh, throughout this spring and throughout the summer at so that we can help build strong immune systems. So with no further ado, um, we're going to jump right into our recording that we did. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy and definitely take notes on some of the strategies that he's using for himself and his family. God bless you and I hope you enjoy. Okay, so we are recording. We're here with Dr. Tony Heiser. Uh, he is an old classmate of mine from back in the day um, in the interim. He's, and he can tell us a little bit more about what, he, what he's been doing over the last 13 years. But uh, uh, one reason I wanted to get him on here is he's extremely knowledgeable with uh, the immune system. I know that because we just, you know, through different things via Facebook, phone calls, et cetera, et cetera, through different topics. And he's been a part of an integrative clinic like mine. So he's working hand in hand with other medical professionals, but he's also got a holistic background. And so that's why, you know, he's going to see this from a, you know, a, a bigger view than just only being one or only being another. And so that's why I wanted to have him on here. So Dr. Tony, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, man. That's awesome. Right. So a big thing that we're going to touch on is not how to cure anything today, but we're going to just try to figure out what can we do as human beings to be healthier, to have a higher quality of life, to have a strong immune system, because I, I don't know about you, but I don't think that uh, injecting ourselves with a uh, artificial X, Y, or Z is the answer to creating uh, immunity, especially lifelong strong immune systems that we can take on the next flu or the next COVID-20 or 21 or 22. So, um, right. so, um, so what are some things that you are doing First off, what are you doing for your family? Like, what are you and just your family? Obviously, we're kind of, all of us are, you know, a little bit uh, stuck in the houses and stuff like that. So what do you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So listen, one thing we know is stress is not good for our immune system. So in times like this, people are generally fearful or scared. And, and some people have a, have a right to be. And some people um, may have their fear a little overblown because they don't understand certain things. And so one thing we want to do as a family first is talk about what risk is. Is it something that we need to be concerned with? And then also how to take good safety measures, right? So we're not opposed to washing our hands or being careful with those things. But here's what Dr. Fauci, a lot of people know him. He released something in the uh, Lancet Journal uh, last week that it, it talked a little bit about risk. And so um, some people won't take an umbrella out if there's a 30% chance of rain, right? But if there's a 2% chance of contracting COVID, they get very concerned. And so this is, why I think, where we have to differ differentiate a little bit of um, how, how serious is this uh, for our age brackets and our uh, risk profiles. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, with your kids, how old are your children? I have four. So I have 14, 12, let's see, nine, and almost five. Okay. So you've got kind of, you got the early ones and you got the teenagers. So what are some things besides just just letting them know about, you know, understanding the fear? Because obviously fear is being sold pretty hardcore to everybody right now. 
Uh, you can't turn on the radio or television without being almost scared to death. So, yep. you know, unfortunately our kids, and I don't know if you're experiencing, but some kids are, you know, distancing themselves from my daughter and, you know, they're getting very worried. But so what are you guys doing in addition to education, just telling them, you know, just not to, you know, be smart or, you know, not just be fearful, but what other things are you guys yeah. doing? For sure. Um, I, I do have a list of just therapeutics that I, I think that are smart to take. I'm, I'd like to get into that in just one second. But I really think that, you know, my daughter had a friend who uh, their parents told her she could no longer work or do anything else for a while now because they're just very concerned um, until the vaccine comes out. Uh, that, that could be a long time. And there's still a lot of fear. And so the first thing I want to do with the kids, not just educate them, but explain um, what actual risk factors are. So what Dr. Fauci said is if you're under 40 years of age, the case, case mortality rates have never been higher than 0.16. And so if they said, if you're under nine years of age, which that would be two of my kids, the case mortality rate is 0.00161. And so it's very, very small. And a lot of people may not know this. If you're talking about any type of uh, virus um, most times the medical community has something called the R not value. Um, it's kind of a funny name, but and I know you know this, but for people that may be listening, the R not value basically says, if I simplify it, it's just how many people is an infected person going to then infect, right? How many people is it going to pass this on to? Some people remember MERS or SARS, um, you know, in this last decade that we dealt with. Um, both of those had a higher R not value than um, COVID 19 does. So what they're basically saying is, they are more infectious than um, COVID-19 is. Um, and if you take some, the, they're saying right now about a 2.2. And if you, if you take it in perspective, measles is about a 12 to 18. So about six times the infectious rate um, of COVID-19. Okay. So that's really good information. I didn't know all those numbers. I don't read all those journals like you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm a nerd. That's why you're not. <laughs> we the smart people. Um, so like for, in addition to washing your hands and stuff like that, what are you guys doing? What do you, so here's a, also a problem for parents, right? It's like what a 14 year old understands and will do is way different than what a five year old's going to understand and do, right? Because you got to work on okay. something. And yep. there's yep. a whole nother, like that's a whole, mine's nine, right? So yep. she's the understanding, but also too, it's like, we got to, you know, sometimes twist her arm a little bit to get her to do what we want her to do. So like, what are some yeah. strategies that you guys are using? Yep. So obviously hand washing and social distancing. Look, my, my kids, my youngest is five years old. He likes to suck his thumb. Or he's four years old. Excuse me. He likes to suck his thumb. It's hard to keep his hands out of his face. It's, you know, in, in one regard, it's very difficult to do this with kids. Sure. And so we've really concentrated, um, especially if we go out anywhere that, uh, we're just really careful, um, about that. But, um, we have a supplement regimen I can get into a little bit. Uh, I do want to co um, comment one thing. I really like what you said about building a strong immune system. Um, so some health practitioners I, I hear talk about increasing the immune system. And I, I understand what they're trying to say, but it really is about modulating the immune system, make sure it's functioning optimally. We don't always want to send it up, right? Sometimes uh, a lot of the people with COVID problems actually have a, what's called the cytokine storm. It's, it's, it's almost an increased inflammation and our immune system is almost going in overdrive like an autoimmune disorder. And so um, I, I really like what you said about having a strong immune system, but we want to make it optimal yeah. uh, as well. Make sense? Absolutely. So like one thing, obviously we're chiropractors originally, that's how we got into healthcare. Yep. 
like for me, always making sure, you know, and I'm not going to get on a chiropractic soapbox, but always making sure my family's getting adjusted minimum once a week. Also myself knowing how that modulates and helps. It will do that same thing. Right. So it will bring that immune system and it will bring that back into balance. So that's one thing that we've been doing. I'm guessing you probably do. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, we, we clearly want to talk about diet and talk about chiropractic care. Listen, the healthier your body is clearly, um, a lot of the news articles are basically saying the people that are running into more serious consequences with the coronavirus are the people that have comorbidities, right? The people that are not healthy, um, whether that's heart disease or lung disease or blood, you know, a blood sugar issue. They're the ones that are having a harder time uh, with the consequences of, of, of COVID. They're actually saying right now, generally between 80 to 85% of people uh, that are infected with the coronavirus are either asymptomatic, meaning literally have no symptoms the entire course of the infection, or they only have mild infections, excuse me, mild symptomatology. So what that means is the majority of people, even if they did get coronavirus, if their immune system is strong enough, they're just going to handle it and they're not even going to have severe problems. And so we, you're, I think you're hitting the nail on the head here, focusing and making sure your body's um, doing, running optimal function. The baseline for us, we want to make sure that we're getting them adjusted once a week at least, and that we are also looking at their diet, making sure we're getting good, lots of good fruits and vegetables, not eating lots of processed, trans fat, sugar, sugar, artificial sweetener type foods. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Plant-based, you know, good healthy meats, et cetera. Um, let's see here. So like a couple supplements, like I give my daughter, I try to every day is like a fruit-based, fruit and vegetable-based supplement because she likes it, she'll do it. Yeah. There you go. And then also, too, we always try to make sure omega-3s are a part of that. Uh, yep. Try to make sure that she's getting some sort of probiotic and, you know, not always just a probiotic uh, pill, but some food-based probiotics as well. What are some other things that you guys are doing in your household? Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That's a lot in large part what we do. But there are a couple that I would recommend for people that are, feel like, hey, I'm, I'm a little nervous right now, um, especially when it comes to respiratory disease. There are mild therapeutic options, and there are some that are a little bit more intense. Um, the first thing, what's that? Bring it on, baby. Let's just all right. All right. Let's let's get into it. Some people, some people are crazy like us, man. I like they're getting, yep. they're getting, you know, yep. they're yep. they can do. So, so some of the, the easier ones to do. The, the very first baseline so study after study has now come out talking about, especially when it comes to respiratory illness. So we're talking about the lungs or breathing, like a lot of problems people are having, um, is vitamin D levels. Vitamin D levels, they say if you are suboptimal, you're, you're raising your risk for respiratory illness. And so one thing I tend to see uh, when a lot of patients bring their labs in, the, the lab variations can be quite broad. So it's uh, vitamin D, to get technical, uh, vitamin D is measured in nanograms per deciliter uh, on your lab. And I've seen anywhere from 30 all the way to 100 being a normal range. Right. Okay. Um, so if, if someone's walking with 30 nanograms per deciliter, it's not as protective as I would like. I really like it more in the 50 to 70 range. And so some people come in with their labs and, hey, the lab says I'm normal, um, but I don't think you're getting the protective measures um, that a lot of the studies are coming out saying. So the only way to know your vitamin D levels for sure is to get a blood test. That might be a little hard for people right about now. But um, if you are low, um, a common recommendation is to take 50,000 per week. Um, so I just tell people, hey, if, if you think you're low, especially in the wintertime, we're just kind of getting into spring, 
uh, 5,000 international units a day is a, for an adult, um, safe dosage for just, you know, a period of time until you have a chance to, to draw your own and take a look at it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you, uh, so like I noticed in our office, we'll use a liposomal vitamin D if we were really trying to pop them up real quick, just cause it's yep. simulated better. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Vitamin D3, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We, and that's a whole nother podcast, right? Or a whole <laughs> Yeah. But, um, well, good. So vitamin D is a big one. Obviously, yep. that's been one too. That once you get into this world of integrative medicine, you start forgetting about the basics. You know, like when we were just when I was yep. in chiropractic care. I mean, it was vitamin D three. That was like the number one bad boy. Was, that's right. That's right. It's amazing how much better they felt just off of that. So, what are some other right. things you guys focus on? Yeah. So sometimes we have to differentiate too between preventative and therapeutic, right? So a lot of what we touched on is as more preventative. Um, there are some things that are also more, th- more therapeutic. So there's some other preventative things. Um, obviously, uh, one thing I think we'll talk about here in a minute is vitamin C. Sure. Um, some people that are, uh, we know in China where this obviously started, um, they first started treating coronavirus uh, patients with IV vitamin C. And so I know certain hospitals here in the U.S. have now adopted that as well um, as an adjunct therapy. Um, you might not have access to vitamin, uh, IV vitamin C, but one thing you can do is you can take, um, either liposomal vitamin C, you can order that, or you can also take, um, vitamin C, um, orally. And the only problem with taking too much vitamin C is, uh, it's going to make your, your bowels start going a little bit, um, if you take too much, but that also helps you understand a little bit if you're getting to higher dosages. And so what I generally will tell people, depending on if you're a child or adult, you'll, you'll, you'll take a certain dosage um, a couple times a day. And if you start getting loose stools, then you know you're kind of getting to uh, bowel tolerance on that. Um, so you can definitely up your vitamin C. Vitamin C has been shown to be virucidal, so, um, especially at higher doses. Um, so it's a real simple, easy way. And vitamin C is a water-based, like, you know, um, vitamin. So you're just kind of urinate out what you don't use. Right. Um, and so it's a really cheap, easy way to, uh, to help. Is there, orally, is there a type that you like best? Like, I know there's what, like a buffer, yep. different, like buffered powder, ascorbic acid buffered powders, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, liposomal buffered is, is really good. I mean, what a lot of the studies are showing, I mean, so when people talk about vitamin C in the general sense, it's ascorbic acid. But if you're talking about um, so, some of the other flavonoids that go with it, has it shown to increase absorption? Um, like sometimes you'll see like rose hips um, put in vitamin C. Uh, you'll see other flavonoids just basically for uh, absorption of that. The other thing we do know with vitamin C is if um, for whatever reason you're taking iron in a multivitamin, you have to be a little bit more careful because um, vitamin C will help your body absorb iron a little bit higher capacity. Sure. So all you uh, folks with low iron, just increase your vitamin C. And who knows? You may end up not need That's one thing you can do. You got it. Side note. There you go. Just learn something else. Okay, so we got the basics. What, uh, what, else, what else you got? Yeah, so um, one thing we saw recently with a couple different studies, some that actually were coming out this past year, even before this hit, when you're talking about respiratory illness, um, a lot of people are talking about melatonin. Um, melatonin, probably you've recommended it yourself for sleep issues. Right. Melatonin is produced by the uh, pineal gland, and as we get older, we don't make as much of it. Um, they've done multiple studies now that have shown in alveolar fluid, which is the little sacs down the lungs, um, and the, just measuring the cytokine, the floating cytokines is how they, how they say it. Um, these inflammatory cytokines are modulated by melatonin and melatonin agonists. 
So they've done multiple studies where they're given uh, melatonin, even people on vent. So a lot of people are questioning whether or not ventilators are helpful right now, um, in large part with as many people that are using them. They've actually taken people on ventilators and given them either a melatonin or a melatonin agonist, which means just helping the body use melatonin or, or make it. Um, and, and the people they give this to actually had a, um, a, um, less of those inflammatory cytokines um, pool in the lungs. And so even from a therapeutic, even if you don't want to do it preventively, from a therapeutic standpoint, um, now it, doesn't, it doesn't have a 100% cure rate. That's not what I'm saying. Sure. But they're seeing improvements. And so it's a pretty simple thing you can do um, at home or if you feel like you have the mild symptomatology, you're not in the hospital or anything like that. But it's a simple thing and you might even get some better sleep out of it. There you go. So, yeah, I've heard uh, they're using, and I may be wrong, but are they, aren't they using like melatonin now for even like, uh, I know it's, it's a well-known anti-inflammatory. It is, yep. Also, too, uh, like some cancer, right? I mean, are they, they are. They're using it as an adjunct therapy and, and uh, as an anti-cancer uh, therapy. So, I guess, right, because the immune system or cancer is an immune system problem, and if it can re- help to regulate and modulate the immune system, cytokine, et cetera. Yeah, so if you talk, I mean, so generally, who are most at risk right now? Well, generally, people that are 70, 65, 70 years of age plus. The highest risk factors were 80 plus uh, years of age, and it was like 7.82 mortality rate. But if you, if you think about it, I'm not saying melatonin is the end-all, cure-all mm-hmm. here, but as you age, a lot of people's uh, pineal gland in the body calcifies to some extent, and you don't make as much of it. So you know a lot of people have a hard time sleeping as they get older, mm-hmm. um, and so this is one thing that uh, can, be, can be beneficial. Huh. So one interesting, just side note, like actually, and you maybe have heard about these, but the peptides out there, the yeah. epitalin has been shown to decrease calcification of the pineal gland. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, it's pretty crazy because they were actually saying how epitalin is a, or epitalon, whatever the heck, however some people. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, they actually are showing that it helps to increase telomere length. And a lot of guys are using it in their like lifespan or their anti-aging protocols. Because yep, they're showing what it does is it actually decals helps to decalcify the pineal gland. <laughs> Pretty amazing what we're learning nowadays, isn't it? We but uh, so what else, man? So I know, like I said, in our office, we're doing uh, we're definitely promoting IV nutrition because we have it. A lot of yep. places don't, but I mean, hundred percent assimilation of the of the nutrients. I mean, we're doing yep. uh, vitamin C, glutathione, B vitamin, everything, really everything, magnesium, et cetera. It's all good. Uh, but we do the high dose vitamin C, uh, yep. like that. What are your thoughts on all that stuff? Guys, if you are listening in Dr. Ryan's area, you need to go see him. I don't live anywhere near him. He's not paying me for this, but I'll tell you what, IV nutrition is, is, um, a lot of people have gut problems and they, and they don't absorb things. E- even if you don't have a gut problem, there are certain things that are just not absorbed very well. So like we know, um, like let's take calcium for instance calcium carbonate is the cheapest form of calcium. And so if you go to a lot of uh, stores to get vitamins, um, you know, vitamin companies want to make money too. And so they have different forms of calcium they can put in there. Calcium carbonate is basically limestone and your body will absorb it, but it is dependent on your stomach pH. So depending on what time of day you eat it, you know, type of meals, is your stomach pH. Some people have ulcers or, or problems with stomach pH, right? And then the amount that you're taking, you may not get what you're needing and you may not know anything about it. When you're talking about IV nutrition, you just bypass a lot of those problems. And so not everyone can do that. And I I understand that. And there are things that we can do if you don't have access to it, but it's relatively inexpensive. um, And it's a really good way just to get in there and get that nutrition you need. 
So in your, in your recommendation, like, so a lot of people always ask me if we're talking about just health maintenance, right? Um, yep. What, what would you say in your recommendation with IV nutrition, for instance, because obviously we want to, we don't want to just rely on IVs all the time. You'd have you sure. know, like a heroin addict. Get, <laughs> yeah. But, and it was also, you want to give your veins a little bit of a rest, you know, cause the, sure. et cetera. But on a maintenance dose for, you know, just a, let's say a Myers, a Myers cocktail, it's just going to have a little yep. bit of everything in it. Like what are, what are you, did you guys have IVs in your office or do you have IVs? We were going to put them in. We didn't, we didn't do it um, right away. And so we had a, basically an office that was like a quarter of a mile away from our practice. And so we kind of just sent people there, but we did recommend them. So how often would you say, I mean, think not thinking about finances, but just how often would you? Yeah. So it really depends on people's health status to some extent and what they're willing and able to do. Um, you're right. I wouldn't do it daily. Um, and it depends on what you're getting as well. How, how much, um, but, but certainly every couple of weeks would be, I think w- would be a fine, fine thing to do once a month, just something that you can kind of throw in. Right. Um, some people that may have partied a little too, a little bit more than other people, uh, could probably benefit, uh, from someone that's not. And so, you know, it really just depends on what is your diet? What is your level of, uh, a party, party animal score? And so I'm partying, you know, everybody thinks partying less, but I hear that everybody's <laughs> drinking more now. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Inverse curves there. Right. So, um, yeah, clearly something that people can look at. And so again, if, if you're, if you're concerned or you're wanting just even as a temporary measure, it's be something you can utilize uh, to help you. Well, like I always say too, it's like, you know, maybe do a high, you know, if we're, if you're a healthy person, do a, do a high dose C once a month and then maybe do a Myers, you know, two to three times a month, something like that's where you're still getting those new, if you, again, it's all depending yeah. on what you're willing to, you know, put towards it, but especially, yeah. you know, right. And like, that's my concern, right. It's like everybody thinks whatever happens, whether they, they lift these bands or not or whatever. And this is hopefully people will continue to listen to this because it's going to be pertinent for years of making. But, you know, it's like, if we don't focus now, you know, that we're eventually going to be let out of the cages. Right. And then we're going to be exposed to the next, whatever, because there's going to be mutations coming down the line. I mean, it's already happening. And so it's like, we can't continue to hide out in our homes and we can't rely on some artificial immunity to solve our problem because it doesn't work with the flu vaccine. So why would it work with COVID vaccine? That's at least my, that's at least my, yeah. but whatever, I'm not here to yeah. debate vaccines. So, um, so we're reducing stress. We're going to increase vitamin C, increase, uh, vitamin D, um, Let's see what else. Um, obviously, melatonin, which was a really that's honestly that's one that I haven't even thought of. I didn't didn't yep. even two together with the whole. Um, sure. so awesome. Um, IV nut- nutrients, if you got them. Um, what else? There's, yeah, there's at least one more combination that I would want to throw in there. I mean, there there are other things as well that I think that that for general health are helpful. But when it comes to talking about viruses. Uh, one thing that we do know, it's not, a, again, I'm not talking miracle cures or anything like that. But we do know that zinc in the right quantities um, can help with viruses. It can stop viral replication. So the problem with zinc is you can take too much of it. Um, it zinc works with copper in the body. If you, um, zinc is, is one of those things that it, it's got this, this range. If you have too little, it's not helpful. If you have too much, it's not helpful. But you need to be in this certain range. Some people that may not know how to take zinc or if they're not, not sure. Um, one drug that's been in the news lately is the chloroquine. And I'm not trying to get into whether that works or not. 
But one thing that we do know that chloroquinine does um, is it's a zinc ionophore. And so it pushes zinc into the cell, past the cell membrane a little bit easier. So is there anything su supplement-wise that could do the same thing without any, you have to go to the doctor or any prescription? And there's been a couple studies that said yes. There are actually two different um, uh, substances that will do, uh, that are zinc ionophores. So they help push um, zinc into the cell, past the cell membrane a little bit easier. I think I know what you're going to say because I just saw a big, one of our colleagues just he's getting all over Facebook right now for this. Go ahead. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. uh, so there, the two that have been, that I, I've seen three different studies now that have shown um, these two substances to be zinc ionophores. Uh, my favorite is quercetin. Uh, I'm not sure if, um, if that's who they were, they were referring to. The other one was um, epicalogen galli, which is in the T's. And so quercetin's the one that, ECGG, um, quercetin's the one that we use because we have it for allergies here. It also works as a natural antihistamine. Yeah, it's but for like, or yeah, just for like the again the cytokine storm stuff, right inside the exactly. So that's it's one of my favorites to to be taking right now is a little bit of zinc with some quercetin. I'm gonna get and just because I want to make sure to write this stuff down. This is this is so this is things that we're getting here in our practice, and we're also making sure that we I have it at home. So yeah, the quercetins put help pushing zinc across the, the cell membrane. Cell member. Yep. Yep. So when you say there's a sweet spot with zinc, what are like, cause I know like some things we'll do on a blood test, we'll look at like Alcfos, if Alcfos yep. is under 70, I think that's usually, or yeah. that was the number that was given to us that they were deficient. Uh, what about like, what are ways, but also too, like you said, there's a balancing act with that and copper. So how do you balance that? Yeah. So one, one pretty easy way, um, a lot of people don't necessarily have access to the blood test, especially if they're stay at home orders, um, et cetera. The one thing with zinc with most people, um, if you have, if you have adequate or too, too much zinc, just by putting like, you can get like little zinc lozenges or tablets for your mouth. Zinc will kind of make you nauseous if you have too much of it. And so one thing I tell people to do is go suck on a zinc tablet. If you're starting to feel nauseous, you're probably okay in the levels. Um, I would probably just stick to taking it every once in a while, um, or adding some quercetin just to make sure your body's absorbing it, um, even better. Um, would probably be my recommendation. Some people... Sorry, it's my phone. That's okay. That's okay. Um, some people... <laughs> some people do have a problem just with... Because it is a metal. Some people have very sensitive palates with it. You can have sprays or you can do IV uh, zinc as well if you, if you need to. Yeah. But most the, the majority of people, if they just try um, a lozenge... Uh, and suck on it for a little bit. If they don't feel nauseous, they're probably good to take it at least every every couple of days, in, yeah, in a period for a period of time that they're they're nervous about getting sick. Sure, yeah, I would. I know I that's a definite. That's in my uh, what you call it. But I was taking it too because it was actually zinc su supposed to help with testosterone levels. It does, yeah. We do a lot of HRT here, and so and when I was trying to naturally get my testosterone the way I wanted it. I was hammering zinc and I'd get some stuff. I was like, why am I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Got to be careful with zinc. So generally I think most people 50 to 70 milligrams, but I really like the lozenges of the little tablets. It's just an easy way. If you're, um, you're generally the body will give you a little bit of response, but, um, again, I don't think you have to take it every day forever, but, um, during those times that you're a little nervous that, you know, I don't want to get sick. I think it's, I think it's healthy and safe to do. Cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, the quercetin and zinc thing. That's awesome. Like I've been researching quercetin a lot. I've been hearing it a lot. 
And I know yeah. it's been out there forever. And in tech, it's been in supplements that we've used for seasonal allergies, but I've been hearing it more for all this other, you know, things as well. So that's really, really cool. Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, we don't want to, we don't want people to start falling asleep with all this <laughs> yeah, right? stuff. So anything that you can, to wrap it up, Tony, um, what, what are, I mean, what are your thoughts on all this, man? What are like, what's your, what's your strategy moving forward? I mean, in addition to all this nutrient stuff, like what are, what do you guys, what's in your back? Yeah. I mean, so like be smart, don't be scared, be prepared. Right. So here's what I tell people. Remember too, with this, they're saying that the virus might mutate. It might be cyclical. So it's going to come back with the vaccine that's coming out. Like you, I'm not trying to debate it, but just a couple facts on it. It's a new type of vaccine technology. They used to be able to, well, they still do in large part, a lot of vaccines. They grow them with egg on eggs. Uh, this one, they're taking a, um, a spike protein and, and it's a, like a new way of technology. And because they're fast tracking it, they're not going through some of the normal safety trials. Not saying they're not doing any, but they're not doing some of it. Uh, it's an RNA encoded virus. And so like the flu shot, um, we don't know success rates yet. In the last 15 years, I think the efficacy rates for the flu shot has been over 50% only three, three times, I believe. And so, you know, a relative coin flip, it's, it's just not something that, um, that I think you should go do without asking questions about it, right? And so I think some of the things we talked about today can, can um, also be good strategies for the, the normal person to use. And, and to remember, guys, and if you're listening to this, know your age bracket right? If, you, if you're under 40, 0.16 is the highest they've said is the case mortality rate. I mean, you're talking barely over a tenth of a percent. Um, and and to, get, to get to a point where we need to think of all the unhealthy people, you know, <laughs> right, right. They're all, inclu they're included in that. I mean, cancer patients under the age of 40 or, you know, yep. you know yeah. it's, yep. there's a, that's a big span, right? I mean, we, I would like to consider yeah. us on the healthier end of the spectrum, I mean, heck, you just increase your vitamin D levels. You may be like on the 5% healthiest people on the planet, right? I mean, yep. A lot of sick freaking people out there. And so. A absolutely. And in the last two minutes, I'll just say this. Remember, naturally, when we didn't have vaccines, you, were, you required herd immunity to help protect people. And so some epidemiologists are saying right now that if we shut down or self-isolate too long, we could there's a potential to actually increase the amount of infections out there. And so... What they're saying is the low-risk people, it might be good to have them exposed because quite honestly, we probably don't even know the numbers that have already been exposed to the coronavirus because the testing has been so poor and uh, the rollouts. But I think a lot of people probably have already had exposure to that. The few studies that have been out have shown a pretty high percentage of people already have antibodies to it, which basically means it's been exposed more than we think. So getting the low-risk people to get their exposure levels up is going to to get close to that herd immunity that's going to protect the immune compromised people uh, or in the high risk profiles as it is. Awesome. No, that's dude. I'm with you hundred percent. And lastly, I mean, can you have herd immunity through vaccination? Oh man, that is a very <laughs> long subject. <laughs> I don't know. That's another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> well, hey man, I, I appreciate you greatly, dude. Thank yeah. you so much for uh, being willing to just get on here and talk with me. I know we don't get to talk nearly as much as we all need to, but yeah, uh, thanks for having me. No, absolutely, man. I knew you'd have some awesome, just off, awesome insight onto all this and, and uh, just some great little things that we could all be doing. I mean, I know you're a family man, you're, you know, a 
you got faith and you know, you just yeah. do, it, do it for the right reasons. And I just appreciate you and all the other folks out there like you. So, um, let's keep in touch. Um, absolutely. I wouldn't mind doing a little, uh, side. I mean, I had to put it on the dark web or something just <laughs> there you go. I want to put a target on our head, but, but yeah. uh, I appreciate you. Good luck in the future, man. And let's keep in touch and uh, God bless you and your family. You too, man. See you later. This episode of the infinite living project has ended, but be sure to subscribe to hear the latest and greatest health and wellness information on the face of the earth. And please don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you and your family the best health content available. And one last request, please, if you know other people out there that are eager to learn and eager to hear just great quality health information, please share this podcast with the people that you love and care about. God bless and have a great day. The products and services and the claims made about specific products and services on or through the site have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. The information provided on this podcast, a website, or any other media of Dr. Ryan Cleland is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional or any information contained on or in any product label or packaging. You should not use this information on this podcast or any other media of Dr. Ryan Cleland for diagnosis or treatment or any health problem or for prescription or any medication or other treatment. You should consult with a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, or supplementation program, before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you may have a health problem. Statements regarding dietary supplements, lab testing, medications, and or medical procedures have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or health condition.